Alrighty, we are back. Bad hair on my head. Coffee in hand, as per usual, seems to be the nightly ritual. An off day, a fresh off day, two straight off days, in fact, on deck. And uh, we're talking about some pro football here because it's Unqualified Analysis. It's a third day, Thursday edition of Unqualified Analysis, I'll tell you right now. I mean, I'm just, this coffee is just is calling my name right now. Hold on real quick. Maybe the earliest coffee break that I have had uh, to start an episode. But uh, yeah, here we are. It's unqualified analysis. Uh, week nine of the NFL is in the books. We had a lot of stuff happen, man. I mean, the Vikings, boy, do they have a QB dilemma right now. And uh, not the good kind of QB dilemma, if there really ever is one. Uh, the kind where we're getting a little thin back there. And we may, we may have a Sean Mannion sighting. Never a good thing when you got a Sean Mannion sighting, uh, possibly, on the uh, on the horizon, it's either Sean Manning or Tanner Morgan, and either way, no, please don't. Uh, but we'll get to that, all of that here in uh, in just a second. Let's hop into the NFL action, though. Shep. Oh, I almost forgot. Almost forgot. We got to go over to the uh, the college football playoff rankings, folks. I was just an inch away, an inch away from just jumping into last week's slate of NFL games without without getting to the newest rankings here. Uh, it's Obviously, what's that? Top eight is unchanged. Uh, Ole Miss jumped up to nine. Uh, that'll be a nine versus two matchup uh, between uh, Georgia and Ole Miss this week. A dandy of a matchup right there. But yeah, nothing has changed in the top four at all. Nothing in, in the top eight even. It, it's all the same. It, it's still Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Washington, Oregon, Texas, Alabama, and then you get a little bit of dynamic movement there. Obviously, Oklahoma lost. They're all the way down at 17, so that's you know quite a drop from them. Uh, Oklahoma State's up up 15 after that that win last week. They were 22, I believe, um, after uh, the, the initial playoff rankings. Jumped up seven spots. Good for them. Uh, Tennessee, I don't know if they're up to 13 or if they were 13 already, uh, but they're there. Uh, I think Oregon State didn't move at all. Louisville. I think they moved up to number 11. I think they might have been 13 last week. So, yeah, I think Tennessee did end up moving up. But, yeah, Louisville, after an impressive win, they moved up to 11. Penn State just still sticking there right at 10. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. Uh, they are about to be in another dandy of their own uh, versus Michigan at home this week. That is going to be another dandy of a matchup. Um Outside of that, Kansas all the way up to 16. LSU down to 19 after losing to Bama. Um, Notre Dame down at 20. Arizona up to 21. The Fighting Wildcats led by Jed Fish playing out of their mind. You already know we're betting on them this week. We're already on that. And the number has already moved up to uh, at least 10.5 at this point. So uh, feeling good about that. Feeling good about that. Jed Fish has got the boys playing. Iowa at number 22. Tulane at 23. North Carolina at 24. And K-State just barely hanging on to that top 25 ranking in the college football playoff rankings at 25. And for the second week in a row... Is there any controversy to these rankings? Not really. Not really much to see here. Um, I, I still feel the exact same way about Oregon and Washington. I think they should probably be switched around. But the head-to-head -head matters in these resume sort of ranking systems. So, yeah, Oregon's going to be there for the time being. Uh, they'll... 
Oregon will have their rebuttal. Don't you worry about it. It's like I said, and everyone knows it who's watched the game. Washington and Oregon are on a collision course in that Pac-12 title. We all know it at this point, unless some precipitous slip-up happens here uh, in the next you know, couple days or so or a couple weeks before that Pac-12 championship. It's going to be them. They're the clear best best uh, teams in the conference. Kind of what we thought coming into the season, uh, with you know maybe a little USC sprinkled in there, but it's kind of solidified throughout the course of it. So we'll get that at some point uh, down the road. But yeah, outside of that, I got I mean zero issue with with any of these rankings w- whatsoever. I don't I don't really care. Quite quite frankly, it's just kind of yeah. There you go. There, there's your top twenty five. Um, well, let's talk about some NFL football, shall we? I got. I got no time for this right now. Outside of outside of to say, uh, if Ole Miss beats Georgia this week, things get interesting in the SEC West, folks. Especially with that Tennessee game uh, versus Georgia looming uh, off in the distance. I think it's uh, it's two weeks out at this point. I think it's next Saturday. I want to say, um, but yeah, if if Georgia ends up losing against Ole Miss, uh, that is in Neyland a winner goes to the SEC championship game between. Georgia and Tennessee could be an all-time chaos scenario that I would have. I just love to see. I just love to see it, quite frankly, because uh, my team stinks. So the only thing I have to look forward to is copious amounts of chaos. You already know what it is, but uh, yeah. With that, uh, wrung all the juice I can out of that one. Probably could have gotten all high and mighty about, oh, Alabama should be ranked higher. Which, I mean, to be fair. Again, the head-to-head matters. Texas did beat Alabama, so to jump Alabama over Texas would be ignoring that head-to-head matchup, but I would say Alabama's probably a better team at, at this point, but also it's, it's a resume thing. It's not it's not a, a power ratings thing where it's, you know, lines makers putting together uh, who their top power-rated teams are. No, it's, it's just regular old rankings. It's resume-based. And honestly, if Bama keeps on winning, if they win the, the SEC championship, it'll all take care of itself. Trust me. I, I think that if, if push comes to shove and it's a one-loss Texas team versus a one-loss Alabama with the wins that Alabama will have racked up down the stretch, I don't think the committee's going to have any problem with putting Alabama ahead of Texas at the end of the day. So, yeah. There you go. It's the second playoff rankings, and uh, still, not a whole lot of controversy in my mind. I got literally no problem with what they did. Feels like it's going to get dynamic here over the next uh, couple weeks or so, especially as the top three teams in the Big Ten all start playing each other. It's going to be it's going to be fun. The month of November is always the best in college football, so we will be checking back in on that uh, every week until the end of the season, quite obviously. But with that, let's get into the NFL football of it all. Um, no jump transition this time. We're just gonna just gonna you know gulp some coffee real quick. Yeah, we're getting down to the internet. Let's just let's just power that through. Ooh, Mm-mm. that's a full gulp of coffee right there. That's a full gulp of coffee, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ride that through to the end of the episode here because that was the last of it. So yeah, let's uh, start off with the Thursday night game here, and we'll just get through this pretty quickly. Uh, Steelers defense once again absolutely stifling uh, the Titans this time around. They beat them 20-16. to 16. Uh, Will Levis has a critical interception on the final offensive play of the game for the Titans uh, to send them home. The Steelers get the win 20-16. to 16. Uh, They're 5-3 and three now with a date set up with the Green Bay Packers again on their home, uh, home field uh, coming up this week. 
But as far as this game goes, gutsy win, uh, a great win, in fact. I mean, Deontay Johnson had his first touchdown uh, catch. Yeah, just touchdown in general. First touchdown in general uh, since Big Ben was the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's been it's been that long since Deontay Johnson scored. Finally got in the end zone once again. Jalen Warren, what more is there to say about Jalen Warren, man? He should be the starting running back. And I understand that there's a, there's a useful... Uh, uh, role for Najee Harris, but the fact of the matter is Jalen Warren just brings something to the table that Najee Harris never will, and that's just pure speed and explosivity. He had eight yards of carry in this one, 88 yards and 11 yards per carry, just nothing short of efficient. And uh, yeah, the Steelers, against all odds, uh, against the, I mean, the, the defense is playing well enough that Matt Canada's offense and how bad it is has not completely sunk them, which should tell you all you need to know about how good of a coach Mike Tomlin is. Um, but also should tell you all you need to know about, um, man, just imagine if they had a real offensive coordinator that you could trust on the other side of the ball. Uh, Tomlin, I'm t I've said it before. It's been a while since I said it, though. It, your loyalty to this man, this man, Matt Canada, it's, uh, it's going to get you fired if you, if you keep with him for too long. I'm just, just put it out there. Won't get you fired this year, but I, I implore you, I beg of you after this season, just consider making a change to someone with a little bit better creativity. And I get it, down on the sidelines, offense played a little bit better, but still, only 20 points, uh, not good enough. George Pickens, by the way, it should have been 27. I'll, I'll give him that. It, it should have been 27 because I don't know. I think George Pickens, and I don't want to besmirch the man because he's explosive, one of the best young wide receivers in the game. If he puts all of it together, he could very easily be a top 10 pushing top five sort of guy. He is that sort of explosive athlete, explosive talent. I think he just forgot what the NFL rules were on catching because, I mean, he caught the ball, got one foot down, and then took the long stride like he was still in college, and that second foot came down out of bounds. Any well-trained receiver would have just dragged the back foot, and that is seven points right there on the board. Instead, that is not the case. They settle for a field goal, and then it becomes a game down the stretch because George Pickens didn't, I mean, just didn't drag his foot. I, I can't explain it. I got no idea. It, it looked like on the sideline he was confused as to why it wasn't a touchdown. My only real explanation for it is he just forgot the NFL rules. I don't, I don't know what else you could possibly explain it, because that was, that was the weirdest thing in the world. Again, one of the most explosive young players in the entire league right now, a guy that I think, especially with that pedigree that the, the Pittsburgh Steelers have of pumping out wide receivers, he's the next one in there, man. He's just, he's the number one wide receiver in waiting, but man, he made an inexplicably boneheaded play there to not get the second foot down and uh, keep it close enough for the Titans to get right on the doorstep of scoring late, but um, yeah, Despite all that Matt Canada has done, despite the inexplicably bad play uh, to not get the touchdown by George Pickens, you're still right there at the end of things uh, getting a win. Uh, on the Titans side, though, I will say, up until that last pick, and there were some uh, there were some interceptable balls. Don't get me wrong. There was, excuse me, there were there were some uh, some balls there that could have very easily gone the other way. That being said, I mean. For all intents and purposes, he didn't play a bad game. He put up some good balls. It's just his only receiver right now is DeAndre Hopkins. And, and I'll tell you what, that that young guy, uh, Joey Porter Jr., uh, son, son of Joey Porter Sr., who would have thought that? I mean, that's that's crazy. Who would have thought that? But, yeah, 
playing in Pittsburgh just like his old man, and it was locking down DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. And that was a that was a matchup that uh, he was calling for. That that was a matchup he was calling for uh, going back to the practice all throughout the week. He wanted DeAndre Hopkins all throughout the week. He got him. He was a full full time starter. He's been a full time starter for I guess a couple weeks now, a week or two now, and um, he stepped up to the challenge in the biggest possible way. You got to be absolutely giddy with excitement watching what he ended up doing um, in this game. Uh, I mean, I think after the first quarter, DeAndre Hopkins was completely silent. So good for him. Uh, Will Levis, though, he showed me something, man. I don't. He didn't really. I was kind of uh, a little bit ahead of myself in the first quarter. I thought he was throwing the ball so well that hey, I don't know if Ryan Tannehill gets his job back uh, whenever he is healthy again. I still think that might be the case, but uh, maybe Ryan Tannehill comes back. I don't know. Will Levis is he's showing me some stuff though, man. He's showing you if you can kind of like you know build an offense around his his early skill set in his early career here. I think you can do something with him. I think you can kind of mold him into the, the the future quarterback of this team. I think much more so than Malik Willis. I mean, Will Levis. Really, what you got to do is you got to build a, a strong running game. Which music to Mike Vrabel's ears, I can assure you of that. He would love nothing more than to have a strong running game that he can build the offense around. And then around that. An offense where Will Levis can take shots when there's only one safety high. You got to load the box because you got a strong running game, and Will Levis can pick you apart down the field because that is the one thing coming out of college that jumps off the tape when you watch any of his games. Like, okay, had some inconsistency, inconsistent accuracy at times, uh, made some weird decisions. I don't think the offense at Kentucky, especially the offensive line, put him in the best positions to succeed. But one thing that jumped off the tape was that deep ball. He had one of the better deep balls in the draft coming in last year, and you see it all the time on on the NFL stage as well. He is throw he throws a beautiful, beautiful deep ball, and if you can build uh, kind of around that skill set to where you can take some shot plays, uh, you, you saw it the week before where DeAndre Hopkins just went. Yeah, nuke just went nuclear uh, on the defense, getting three long touchdowns. He can do that to some people. He and he didn't do it to the Steelers because they have a very high quality defense and playing against you know on the road against a really high quality defense. Predictably, didn't quite get those deep shots that that he was uh, hitting with ease the previous week. But this time around, you know, I think down the stretch wouldn't be a bad idea to just kind of continue developing Will Levis. Seeing what you got in him, I think I think they got a quarterback down there that they can kind of you know build around a little bit. You know something to, something to keep an eye on. I mean they're three and five. What do they have to lose? I mean Ryan Tannehill's probably gone after this year anyways. I mean why not let the rookie get in, get some reps, and uh, start developing uh, as a starting quarterback in this league? I like it. I like his leadership. I, I like the the arm. Uh, he's jacked out of his mind. Already knew that going back to Kentucky. Just jacked, not even by quarterback standards, just by professional football athlete standards. Just jacked. Just a jacked human being. Um, seems a little bit weird, but I'm okay with that, man. I mean, I'm a weird guy myself, so I'm interested to see what he does. And I, if they can, again, like if they can build an offense around his skill set, I think the Titans could be better for it. So uh, we'll have to see what they end up doing there. Let's move on to the Sunday games, shall we? Uh, Dolphins and Chiefs. Go down to Germany, say Guten Tag, and it looked like it was going to be a terrible game for the uh, the, the German fans. Um, Twenty-one to nothing at halftime, uh, capped off by I think it was a fumble recovery for a touchdown at the end of the first half. That Chiefs were up twenty to zip 
going into that halftime. And the Dolphins, third quarter, they just came roaring back, made it a game 21-14, to and it just kind of didn't come together down the stretch. Ultimately, Chiefs get the win 21-14. to No one scores in the fourth quarter. Um, and the Dolphins, yet again, their three losses have come against the Bills, the Chiefs, and I really put myself in a corner by by not knowing who that last one was. Who who, who have the Dolphins lost? Yeah, Bills, Eagles, and Chiefs. So yeah, the three best teams they've played, uh, they've lost, I mean, fairly convincingly in all but the Chiefs game. And even in the Chiefs game, they got down 21 to nothing before they started doing something. And honestly, yes, they're 6-3. and three. I have no question in my mind they're going to be a playoff team. They're much better than they were last year, quite frankly. And so long as, as Tua continues to be healthy, they'll continue to be much better than they were uh, last year. Much better running game. Um, passing game, is that that was never a question last year. It's just mixing in the run game a little bit more. Defense is starting to round into form now that Jalen Ramsey is back in the swing of things. But ultimately, I think this year is just a year too soon, man. They just do not have the horses on the offensive line uh, to hold up when it's all said and done. I mean, against bad teams, uh, they can go in there and, and they can, you know, they'll make some make some noise, if you will, uh, put up those big time flashy numbers against really really good teams, though. I'm just not sure they've got what it takes to consistently get big chunks in the running game, protect the quarterback, two get sacked three times in this one, which not the not the biggest sack numbers in the world, but with a quarterback that gets the ball out as fast as Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and you can see it in the, in the yards per attempt numbers too. I mean, 5.7 yards per attempt for Tua, a guy that I think led the league in yards per attempt last year and was probably tops, not tops, but... Uh, really in the top echelon of the league in yards per attempt this year, you can tell just by what he's getting there that they're checking it down short because they just simply don't have time to let things develop down the field. That comes down to the offensive line. And, you know, call it what it is, it's Teron Armstead, um, Hunt, Robert Hunt is there, and that's just a bunch of dudes. They need to get serious about uh, bringing in big boys this offseason, both in free agency, in the draft. They've just got to really shore up what they're doing down there uh, with the offensive line. And I think, really, could be as soon as next year they're legit championship contenders. I just don't think that they're legit championship contenders right now. You've you've seen it exposed every time they played a pass rush that was really worth their, their salt uh, so far. Uh, they just get exposed, quite frankly, and I don't see that changing uh, this year, but, you know, again, I like the direction this team is going. I make, make no mistake about it. I think they're a really good team. Uh, they're definitely a playoff team. Probably not a team that's going to get you to the AFC Championship. Certainly not the Super Bowl, in my mind, this season. Again, a year away, I would say. You know, you keep Tua in town. I'm not sure. Have they extended Tua? I don't think they've extended Tua uh, just yet. They'll do that this offseason. Uh, they'll get the deal done there. Keep him around. That's definitely your quarterback for the future, and you got no reason to suspect otherwise unless he uh, suddenly is just no longer healthy anymore, which was a question for a while. Prove me wrong uh, in in you know keeping healthy and staying away from big hits. That's that's good. That's a good change in the right direction. But again, I'd say an offensive line away. The defense is playing much better than they were at the start of the year. Jalen Ramsey helps out a lot with that. Um, but yeah. Hopefully this offseason they get serious about the uh, the line of scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball. 
outside of that, I'm just I'm not I'm not a huge believer in the Dolphins uh, this year I mean, against bad teams. They will run up the score. Make no mistake about it. They're pretty much an automatic overplay every time they play someone who is just not very good. Uh, when they go up against a, a quality defense like the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Bills so far this season, you've seen what happens. So uh, we'll we'll leave that there for now. On the Chiefs side of things, for my money. I mean, you can you can talk about the the Ravens right now. They're playing out of their minds as well. Lamar Jackson playing some of the best football of his career, regardless of what the numbers might say. This past week, um, you can you can talk about all sorts of teams in the AFC. To me, the Chiefs are still the kings in the AFC right now, man. And I mean, the offense got some things to figure out. Their leading receiver in this game was Noah Gray with 34 yards. Uh, gross, disgusting. Even they need a. I think if there's one thing you learned in this game and throughout this season is that you can't have no good wide receivers and expect Patrick Mahomes to just uh, make a house out of a box of nails. You can't just you can't just expect Patrick Mahomes to be just blindly brilliant every single time out there with nothing to work with. You need something uh, to get past uh, just you know a modicum of of efficiency there. Um, outside of that, though, I, I maintain, and I've said this from really the start of the season since uh, since Chris Jones came back, this is the very best defense that Patrick Mahomes has ever had in his career. And when you've got the best quarterback in the league, uh, when you've got an offensive line that can run block very well, a, a back in Isaiah Pacheco that just punishes def defenses, makes hilariously physical plays. I'm not sure how long he's going to be able to stay in the league because he will get seriously injured at some point, and that will hamper his earning ability down the road. But here for a good time, not a long time. When you got a running back like that with an offensive line playing well, the best quarterback in the game, and you got that defense on the other side, in the words of Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof for this team. This is uh, this. Every bit as good of a team as last year, maybe a little bit lower down on the totem pole, but still plenty good enough to win a Super Bowl with that defense that they've got. This is this is an elite unit on that side of the ball. Uh, they've held this vaunted Dolphins team to 14 points, uh, to a Tonga Vailoa to under six yards per attempt. Uh, Tyree Kill didn't break one, which is the I mean the, the biggest compliment to what the Chiefs did. Tyree Kills broke one on basically everyone this year. Uh, Eight receptions, but only 62 yards for Tyreek Hill in this game, and that's that's fantastic. That is absolutely fantastic. Really, the only big play they gave up uh, was the long touchdown in the third quarter to Cedric Wilson. Outside of that, it was locked down tight. And against this sort of, this Dolphins offense, that's that's as impressive a task as you can ask from a defense. This Chiefs team, they're only going to get better down the stretch. That's all they they usually do uh, throughout the course of a season. I think the Chiefs are going to be right in the Super Bowl once again this year, man. I think we're going to be uh, another year of possibly uh, Patrick Mahomes getting his third Super Bowl back-to-back uh, -back champions. Uh, we'll have to see who comes out of the NFC, but for my money, I mean, it's either the Chiefs or the Eagles that are playing the best in the entire NFL right now, and there's really, I mean, there are close seconds. I would say the, the Baltimore Ravens are right down there at either two or three vying with the Eagles, but... The, the Chiefs is the Chiefs, man. They are going to be right there at the end of it uh, when it's all said and done. Let's move on to the 1 o'clock games. And first and foremost, let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings, shall we? Uh, they went on the road to the Atlanta Falcons. And what can you say? It's a good thing they played the Falcons because, boy, did the Falcons Falcons in this one, man. 
very first drive, Jaron Hall didn't do great. I mean, basically just looked flustered, didn't look great. Uh, Falcons couldn't capitalize, so good for them, That or good for us, that was awesome. Second drive, Jaron Hall gets them right down the field. Goes, I think he had like 70-some yards in that second drive alone. Uh, yeah, 78 yards on the second drive. He ended up with 13 yards per attempt. Gets down to the goal line. Jaron Hall tries to run in the end zone for a touchdown, and he gets his head taken off by a corner, uh, out for the game with concussion. In comes the man who got there all of three to four days uh, before the game itself. Josh Dobbs steps in. You think, okay, let's just try to tread water, try and win a rock fight, and just escape here with maybe a win. That would be cool. Instead, Josh Dobbs goes in there, puts up another 28 points, scores three touchdowns, including... Not only the game-winning touchdown run, he made a clutch run at the end of the game. I think it was on fourth down or, or something like Maybe it was like fourth and ten or something. Uh, gets a long run on the sidelines, runs out of bounds, and then gets the game-winning touchdown run. Josh Dobbs, I mean, didn't even know the snap cadences. Didn't know the last names of any of the players he was playing with. Literally just got traded there over the course of last week. And all of a sudden, he's the hero of the game. The reason why the Vikings won this game 31-28. to And it was it was beautiful to see, man. I, a lot of those, those sorts of quote-unquote lucky plays, close finishes, have not been going the Vikings' way this year. But lo and behold... Four straight wins for the boys. They're five and four. They're over five hundred. They are in the playoffs. If you know the season were to end today, obviously there's still eight more games to go. But they are playing on all so hitting on all cylinders. Eh, either way, you know what I'm saying. The Vikings are playing really, really good football. That's without their starting quarterback, without Justin Jefferson, who is designated to return from IR. Does not mean he's going to play this week, mind you. In fact, I would put. I would kind of definitely uh, bet that he's not going to play this week. Uh, still ramping up from that hamstring injury, and you don't want to force him back early and then have him out for an even longer extended period portion of time. Uh, take a just you know take notes and uh, learn from what the Packers have done with Aaron Jones. Just you know he, they put him on IR, no need to rush him back now. Just let him get back into the fold on his own pace, and uh, he'll be back whenever he's back and when he whenever he is back. Him pairing with Jordan Addison. Hopefully, K.J. Osborne is healthy. That was another injury situation. I mean, K.J. Osborne went out with a concussion in this one, so we were relying on Brandon Powell, basically, as the second receiver for the, the last portion of this game uh, with Jordan Addison. Still, I mean, Jordan Addison is an absolute stud, man. Make, make no bones about it. T.J. Hawkinson, stud in his own right as well. I mean, he had a 29-yard catch that just looked like... I mean, he turned, he turned shit into gold, man. I'll tell you what, that run after the catch was spectacular. He ended up with seven receptions for 69 yards, and especially when you got a couple inexperienced, well, Josh Dobbs is experienced, but a couple uh, lower standard quarterbacks than you're used to with Kirk Cousins, having a guy like TJ Hawkinson out there is just, it's a luxury that you just simply uh, can't calculate how how uh, how big that is having him in there. Just having a check down guy like that, having a, a security blanket like TJ Hawkinson, it's, uh, it's hard to measure just how much that does uh, for a QB's comfort. Uh, however, it, it wasn't all sunshine and roses, man. I mean, obviously, you had some, some good production from the backfield. Unfortunately, though, a guy that I was really uh, looking forward to seeing how he continued to progress with the team really provided a good one-two punch with Alexander Madison. Cam Akers 
Remember, he tore his Achilles leading up to the Rams Super Bowl that they ultimately ended up winning. Uh, this time around, he tears the other Achilles. He is out for the season now. Tough blow. Tough blow. Looks like Ty Chandler is going to have to step up big time in that backfield uh, to continue. Um, I mean... I mean, Alexander Madison wasn't great. Cam Akers wasn't great. Hell, if it wasn't for Josh Dobbs' running performance, we would not be over four yards per carry as a team. But not having Cam Akers in there certainly doesn't help. Um, and that's definitely not going to help the running game. That would be my one uh, sort of fear about this offense. I mean, outside of the quarterback, obviously. Um my, my biggest fear is that we're not going to be able to run when we need to because it has not been good so far this year. Um, Dalton Reisner, I think, is a good addition to that. I mean, he just plays with his hair on fire. Just a big-time hustle guy. Always seems to be around the play at the end, no matter where it is on the field. He runs uh, to the ball um, just you know, with the hopes that he can catch a block somewhere down the field. He is a guy that looks like he was on the street for a long time and never wants to go back. Uh, I love – I mean, they're – He's the reason why we ended up trading Ezra Cleveland because he came in, provided so much juice for that offensive line at that left guard position that, hey, he basically just played Ezra Cleveland out of the lineup. We trade him to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dalton Reisner's in there now, just playing very, very well. So hopefully we can, you know, steadily, incrementally pick things up in the running game going forward. But Kevin O'Connell, hats off to him. This was probably his best coaching job in a win uh, since he has been the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. He's had some lucky breaks here and there, but I'm not sure he's ever done a better job uh, than he did in this game. Uh, on the Falcons' side, they're now 4-5. and five. Uh, They catch a loss at home in a game that they probably should have won. They were... They were Projected, not just projected, but like favored to win coming in. Uh, it took a last-second touchdown from the Minnesota Vikings to win this thing. Um, they're still starting Taylor Heineke. I think that's the right decision going forward. I think he provides a little bit more juice than what Desmond Ritter gets you, and doesn't seem hasn't shot the team in the foot uh, quite as much as Desmond Ritter did whenever he was in uh, the game. As a Bijan Rob Robinson fantasy owner, though, I just want to know why does Arthur Smith hate me? Why? Why does Arthur Smith hate the fact that I exist and am on this earth? And I, why does he hate Bijan Robinson? That that's what I want to know. Um, gave like a, a five and a half minute long rambling answer to a reporter today about why he's not getting red zone touches. Basically, it all boiled down to situations or situational. Um, that being said, I would counter with you got to find a way to scheme uh, your best players into into proper positions to uh, uh, get touches in the red zone, especially a guy that is as dynamic as Bijan Robinson. I mean, get him the ball in space, throw the ball to him. You can he's dynamic after the catch. We've seen that time and time again this season. So I mean, just got to find a way to get Bijan Robinson the ball. As Arthur Smith said in that long rambling answer he gave today. Um, 14 for 28, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Maybe you're a little bit better than that if you can just find a way to feed Bijan Robinson instead of just uh, trusting the offensive system implicitly, which seemed to be the direction that he was implying there. And again, I'm not nearly the offensive mind that Arthur Smith is, but I just feel like when you got a guy as special as Bijan Robinson, you find a way to get him the ball in the red zone. I don't know, ju just me. Um, also, Janu Smith continues to be the, the favorite son of Arthur Smith. He had 100 yards in this one, uh, caught a 60-yard touchdown uh, in this game as well. 
I think that was on a bubble screen, too. I mean, Kadero Hodge had 20 yards per catch, uh, catching three balls for 60 yards. Both him and Jonu Smith had 20 yards per catch. Uh, Kyle Pitts, I mean, not a terrible game, four for for 56, so uh, not bad at all. But I'm just I'm just reading down the I'm reading down the the the, the stat sheet at this point. It's probably a good indication that we've run just about as much as we can out of this. But again, I cannot be. Cannot be any happier with what the Vikings did in this game, putting up 31 on one of the better defenses in the league. We are going to be facing another really vaunted unit out of the NFC South uh, with the Saints coming in this week. That could that could be a rock fight. That that could be an absolute rock fight. If it's up to the Saints, they want to make it a rock fight. So yeah, that should be a, an interesting one. A little mono e mono with my old co-host Zach. Um, I'm, if, you, if you're listening to this, which I know you're not, you can suck my balls, buddy. We're gonna we're coming for blood, and uh, it's probably. Probably Josh Dobbs starting this week. I, I don't think Jaron Hall is going to be out of the concussion protocol in time, which that's a debate going around. Either Jaron Hall or Josh Dobbs. Who do you start? Who do you got going forward? Um, I think if Josh Dobbs puts up a big-time performance like he did this past week versus the Saints, I think you probably roll with Josh Dobbs, but also you kind of want to see what you have in the rookie I would probably lean towards Jaron Hall if he's, you know, if, if Josh Dobbs just comes out there and plays average. I would, you know, you don't want to just go into this offseason not knowing uh, how good the rookie is. So, yeah, I would I would like to see, jo- not Josh Dobbs, um, Jaron Hall starting throughout the, the rest of the season whenever he's back and healthy. But for right now, we got Josh Dobbs against that vaunted Saints defense. Should be a dandy. But... We'll get to that at the end of the episode. For right now, let's move on to the next game, shall we? We have got the uh, Cardinals going on the road to the Browns, and the Browns just beat the hell out of them. I'm I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one. Uh, The Nasty Man had two touchdowns, uh, 219 yards through the air. Amari Cooper uh, caught 139 of the 219 yards that Deshaun Watson threw for. That's hilarious. That's that's hilarious. That should tell you just about uh, all you need to know about Deshaun Watson as a quarterback at this stage in his career. But Cardinals bad, uh, Browns defense good. Don't think we need to spend a whole lot more time on that uh, than we just did there. Um, By the way, though, Kyler Murray probably going to start this week the lines from Vegas are telling you that he is going to start this week so I would I would imagine that's that's going to be the case going to be interested to see what he does coming back against a solid defensive unit in the Atlanta Falcons but again we'll get to that when we get there um the Rams they started old Rippin and Taron Brett Rippin down there uh, against the Packers and they got they got the doors blown off them I mean the score didn't really indicate that but 20 to 3 final score Packers get the third win of the season they're 3 and 5 Rams after that hot start to the year uh now 3 and 6 they've lost I mean they they're on quite a skid at this point they have lost um three straight four of their last five um, after that win to start the season against the Seahawks, they have gone uh, two and six with wins against the Colts and the Cardinals. So yeah, Rams are turning out to be just as bad as we thought they would be coming into the season. That's okay. That's okay. I mean, hey, after the uh, after the bye, you know, maybe you get Matt Stafford back in the lineup and uh, things start going a little bit better for you. You know, could could help out a little bit. Could help help out a little bit. But uh, hey, credit to the Packers for getting the win. They snap a four game losing streak. 
Jordan Love still doesn't look great, but a win is a win. They don't ask how, they ask how many. Unfortunately, you're not going to get many wins this season, but, you know, we'll try to stay positive. Try to stay positive, man. I mean, you got Aaron Jones back in the game getting 20 carries. Luke Musgrave uh, getting, you know, 18 yards per, per reception, or I guess 17 yards per reception. A lot of stuff to like here. Not a lot of stuff to like here, you know, going forward. Uh, just maybe not the quarterback so much. Anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, commies win a sad game against the Patriots, 20-17. to uh, Sam Howell had 325, a touchdown interception. Ramondre Stevenson did solid numbers for the Patriots. I mean, nine carries, 87 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, you know, good good player there. The, the win-loss of this whole thing it does not necessarily matter to me, though. It's obviously, you know, clips circulating around the internet of uh, Jonathan Kraft um, you know, all the all the expert rip, lip, lip readers uh, were, you know, deciphering that one saying, uh, yeah, we have to watch. We're here. We're not good enough. Though. We're just not good enough, though. Um, and now people are speculating, you know, reports trickling out that uh, maybe the Patriots might fire Bill Belichick if things get bad enough this season. And I've brought this up on the show before. Like, I've... I've kind of, you know, made made some allusions to uh, a possible solution to this whole thing. Um, but, you know, worth bringing up again because I haven't done it in good several weeks at this point, I don't think. Um, Bill Belichick, the coach, is not the problem here. Like, I think, the, obviously, the hiring of the offensive coordinator has been an adventure. Good thing is... His uh, his best buddy, great best offensive coordinator he's ever had, Josh McDaniels, is currently unemployed, and um, you could hire him back, and he will never get hired for a head coaching job again. So that's a guy that's just waiting in the wings there. If ultimately he decide to go in a different direction from Bill O'Brien, uh, which also not a guarantee. I, I would love to see Bill O'Brien just go to Iowa and become a star head coach there, but that's also selfish. Um, seems like either way, you're going to be okay with the offensive coordinator from from here on out. Defensively, what what is there to say? He's maybe the greatest defensive mind in all of the history of the NFL, maybe the history of football. He is that special as a defensive mind. Again, Bill Belichick, the coach, is not the problem in this case. I think firing Bill Belichick as the coach would be a bad idea. And honestly, the real problem is Bill Bill Belichick, the GM, and it's not really Bill Belichick, the GM on the defense, because he brought in Christian Gonzalez, who before his season-ending injury, his shoulder injury, was playing like one of the best defensive rookies in the entire league. Brought in Matthew Judon, who is now out for the season, who but was playing very, very well. Kyle Ducker. You can go just go down the list of players that he's brought in on the defensive side that ended up working out very, very well. The problem is he cannot bring in a quality offensive player to save his life. I mean, from, from Mac Jones uh, to Tyquan Thornton, that's just been a complete no-show since he was drafted. Uh, Jonu Smith was there. He got traded away. Now he's playing well with the Falcons, but uh, did not do anything with the Patriots. Offensive line is a disaster. Skill positions are a disaster. They got no good wide receivers right now. Uh, really no num clear number one wide receiver. The defense has been good for Bill Belichick. The offense has been a continuous, ongoing problem for them. So I have a solution, a little bit augmented from what I was saying before. I've been, I said before, I think you got to take the GM duties away from Bill Belichick. I'm not even sure you have to take the title away from Bill Belichick. I think you should just 
take away any control that Bill Belichick has on the offensive personnel, be it through free agency or through the draft. Let Bill Belichick focus solely on his bailiwick on the defensive side of the ball. He's done a great job doing that, picking up defensive players. No, no criticisms there whatsoever. And again, you don't even have to strip Bill Belichick of the GM title. He can still be, be uh, GM in name. You just got to quietly bring in a guy to start evaluating offensive players both in the draft and free agency uh, that can help out this team and fit into the offense that they're trying to run. Because right now, the track record of, of Bill Belichick bringing in uh, guys on the offensive side is just, I just went through all the names. It is objectively horrible. It's horrible right now. So if you bring in someone with a proven pedigree of bringing in quality offensive players and you just have him focus on that, make him an assistant GM or something like that, don't even have to give him the full GM title, just, you know, have him control the offensive side of the ball personnel-wise. Bill Belichick can control the defensive side of the ball. And I think in a couple years, get a new quarterback in there, revamp the offensive personnel, Patriots could be right back up there in the upper echelons of the AFC, and you wouldn't have to get rid of Bill Belichick. Now, the follow-up question to that, Bill Belichick being in his 70s, having been in control of everything in the Patriots organization for uh, the, the better part of three decades at this point, Will Bill Belichick be willing to uh, to uh, get rid of some of his power on the offensive side of the ball personnel-wise? That's yet to be seen, but make him resign before you 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 fire him. That's uh, again, don't don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater right now. Present a solution that keeps the greatest head coach of all time in the building. There is a way to keep him around, still utilize that mind, especially on the defensive side of the ball without completely just throwing him out on the road for someone else to go hire, because he will be hired by someone. Make no mistake about it. You're not just going to let a Bill Belichick ride off into the sunset without paying him some money to come in and possibly coach your team and do exactly what he did with the Patriots in all likelihood. Someone is going to pick him up, and he's going to be a nightmare for you at some point, I would imagine. I just think, you know, you present him with a solution that keeps him doing what he does best, uh, and it, ultimately improves the team over time, I, I think, right now. I think maybe maybe it's Dave Ziegler you bring back in, a guy that Bill Belichick already knows and respects. you got to get someone who knows how to evaluate the offensive side of the ball, though you just simply got to get someone in there uh, to take that away from Bill Belichick, because otherwise... Two and seven is going to become a uh, a consistent theme over there with the New England Patriots if they continue to let Bill Belichick just uh, just keep picking up bad players on that side of the ball. I have spoken my piece though. That that's your solution right there. Just get Bill Belichick an assistant GM that can focus solely on the offensive side of the ball personnel wise. Uh, we'll move on from there. I think I wrung just about as much juice out of that as I can. Uh, the Bears, they still stink. They go into New Orleans, and uh, I mean, New Orleans didn't beat them by nearly as much as they should have, but they don't ask how. They ask how many. Uh, Saints get the win 24-17. to They're now 5-4 and four, uh, going into a matchup with the Minnesota Vikings next week. Should be a dandy. Uh, Tyson Bagent, the bag man, uh, ended up with three interceptions. Looking more and more like you're just going to have to roll with Justin Fields whenever he gets back in there. I think you pretty much figured out at this point that Justin Fields is not the guy going forward, but I think he gives you a better chance to win than what Tyson Bajan does right now. 
Uh, Bears are two and seven. Yes, they pick up. Uh, you know, they they pick up Montez Sweat at the trade deadline. Sign him to a massive contract. Hate the fact that I have to hate a fellow alumni now. It's just it it darkens your heart to have to do so. But he's with the Bears now, so. Sorry, Montez, you're my mortal enemy now, unfortunately. Uh, too bad you're on a terrible team. Their Bears are 2-7. and seven. Look like they're well in line for that number one, number two overall pick via the Panthers. And, uh, yeah, have to see how it goes from here. Can't imagine it'll get a whole lot better, though. So we keep it moving from there. The Ravens, man, they just put a beating on the Seattle Seahawks, 37-3 in M&T Bank Stadium. Uh, Lamar Jackson, not the biggest numbers in the world, passing, you know, 187, uh, no touchdowns through the air, uh, no touchdowns at all, actually. Ended up with, with six yards per carry, but when Keaton Mitchell goes for 138 on 15 yards per carry, when Gus Edwards has two touchdowns on a 10.4 yards per carry, when he rushed for just short of 300 yards as a team and three touchdowns on 7.3 yards per carry, it's simply does not matter how uh, how explosive Lamar Jackson was, which even even saying that, Lamar Jackson went 21 of 26 uh, with 7.2 yards per attempt. He still did really damn good. Odell Beckham, hey, remember that guy? He caught a touchdown in this one. That was from Tyler Huntley, though, the backup quarterback, uh, because that's how bad the Baltimore Ravens were beating the Seattle Seahawks. They got, got to see the backup quarterback in this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything is clicking for the, the, the Baltimore Ravens at this point. And uh, Seattle, I mean, after... They're an interesting team, man. I think Geno Smith is turning back into the uh, the player that, uh, that we kind of thought he was going into Seattle. Uh, maybe maybe not a guy that you think of as a long-term starter in this league. Just a, a good starter in spots. Probably the best backup in the league at this point. You know, I think he can he can wear that that crown, um, you know, respectably. I think he's you know he's he's earned that at this point. Um, made a hell of a lot of money on this deal he just signed, so good for him there. Probably a guy that's going to mentor someone very well that the Seahawks likely draft in this upcoming NFL draft or bring it in free. Well, probably not bring it in free agency, but you know. And draft someone in this upcoming draft that he can probably you know mold into a good uh, good good rookie or good quarterback. I don't know. Words just escaped me there for a second. And I like the young core that the Seahawks have, but um, yeah, this game showed me more than anything that they're just they're not ready to compete just yet. They're they're simply not. Uh, still feels like the 49ers have the inside track to win that division when it's all said and done. You know it's not going to be the Rams or the Cardinals at this point, so it's only going to be the Seahawks that are going to stand in the way of the 49ers to this point. Still, love Pete Carroll, love that uh, that whole staff, love the, the young core they've got, but uh, still a couple pieces away. The Ravens, on the other hand, though, man, they are just a spectacular team. That Todd Munkin offense starting to round into form and uh, really show how good they could be this season. I I love what the Ravens are doing right now, man. They held the Seahawks to 1.9 yards per carry, 29 rushing yards in this game. Um, they were really, really good. Uh, still remain one of the best pass rushes in the league. They got four sacks in this one. Uh, Justin Matabuike got a sack. Kyle Van Noy, a guy they signed off the streets, was on the practice squad uh, not too long ago. He had two sacks in this one. That's got to be what? How many sacks does he have now to this point? He's got five sacks, and he was just picked up, what, like four weeks ago? He got picked up in, in mid-October, mid and he's just 
produce week after week after week. Um, only only game where he didn't have a sack, ironically enough, was the uh, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, the worst team they've played so far since Kyle Van Noy's back. All the other games, he's had sacks in every single one of them. Uh, you know, taking up a leadership role there, being a veteran guy. All the dude does is ball. Credit to him for for continuing to uh, battle through all that he has done, all that he's had to go through there, uh, being on the street and. I mean, this Ravens team, man, that, that Mike McDonald as the defensive coordinator, they are, they're firing all cylinders right now. Pretty clearly the, uh, the other team in the AFC that could, that could challenge the, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, maybe the only team in the AFC that could legitimately challenge the Kansas City Chiefs come playoff time. Seems like those two teams are kind of on a collision course right now, and uh, I'm not sure... I, I would lean the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs will probably end up winning that matchup just based on the strength of Pat Mahomes. But, you know, kind of similarly built. Well, I wouldn't even say similarly built teams. Similar quality of teams. I think the Ravens are obviously a lot more run heavy, which is just going to kind of be the case all the time when you got Lamar Jackson. But, I mean, really quality defenses for both of those teams. Uh, elite quarterbacks on both sides of the of the ball or both sides of the, the field for both of those teams. That could be a dandy of a playoff matchup down the road, man. You gotta love what you're seeing from the Ravens, uh, especially. I would assume this this uh, Todd Munkin offense is just going to get better and better week after week after week. Uh, we'll have to see how it goes, though. They beat the hell out of the Seahawks in this one. C.J. Stroud, man, he is running away with the Rookie of the Year right now. They, uh, the Texans, they hosted the Buccaneers this week, and the defense got torched. Make no mistake about it. They give up 37 to the Buccaneers. Good thing they got C.J. Stroud, though. Last-minute uh, game-winning drive they end up going on. C.J. Stroud gets a go-ahead touchdown uh, with, you know, just a, just a little bit of time left. Texans win this one 39-37. They're 4-4 four and four on the season now. And C.J. Stroud, his stat line, get this right, right here, man, if I can ever pull up the box score. C.J. Stroud went 30 of 42, 470 yards through the year, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, 147.8 passer rating. That's the best all-time for a rookie with a minimum of 30 passing attempts. Didn't have a running game at all to speak of, uh, which is going to happen when your starting running back is out. Damian Pierce not in for this one. You're uh, relying a little bit too much on the Devin Singletary's of the world, but my God, they had one hell of a game in this one, man. And now C.J. Stroud on the season, still only throwing one interception. He's 14 touchdowns to one interception midway through the season. He is so good. He is just spectacular. And I would say the Carolina Panthers made the wrong decision. I said leading up to the draft that if it were up to me, C.J. Stroud would have been the number one overall pick. Just basically all I needed to see was what he did in the Georgia game, extending plays with his legs and putting up big-time numbers against a big-time defense. That's, yep, all I needed to see. Number one overall pick in my mind would have been in my mind. That being said, I uh, I don't think anyone's playing well with the Panthers this year. Behind that offensive line, uh, the lack of receivers outside of the, the ageless Adam Thielen, it turns out, on that team. I, I don't know what the hell happened with the Panthers this year, man. They have been so terrible uh, and um, gave up the entire farm to go get Bryce Young. And what they're going to get out of it is no first-round pick and a, a record that is going to give the Bears probably two top three picks when it's all said and done, unless the Panthers make some miraculous turnaround towards the end of the season. Boy, 
boy, must it suck to be a Panthers fan right now. you got the most impatient owner in the league who's probably just going to fire Frank Reich at the end of this season if they have, like, you know, if they keep doing what they're doing now. Boy, it's, it's, it's just tough times in Carolina right now. But we'll we'll keep happy. We'll keep happy for, for the time being. Uh, the Houston Texans, man, they got themselves a good one. Bobby Slowick, that offense, has put C.J. Stroud in some great positions to succeed. Um, having a lot of young receivers step up. Rookie Tank Dell had two touchdowns in this game. Uh, the tight, tight end you brought over, a couple Dallas Cowboys additions you brought over. Noah Brown uh, played out of his mind in this game. 153 yards and a touchdown, 25 yards for, per catch. Dalton Schultz. A uh, guy that I really like that pickup this offseason. He's starting to pay dividends now. Ten receptions, 130 yards and a touchdown in this game as well. Nico Collins even getting in on the action, an incumbent from last season. They are just playing really, really good football in Houston right now. They're even better than I thought they would be. And I thought the Texans would be a frisky team this year. They're kind of challenging for that. I mean, especially in the AFC South with, well, the Jaguars are good. But outside of the Jaguars, no one's really that that great. Uh, maybe the Texans could sneak into a playoff spot here when it's all said and done. I mean, there are, there's another playoff spot. I mean, you know, three wild card spots now. Who's to say the Texans don't sneak into one of those wild card spots? They're, they're playing very, very good football at this point. They have got uh, the clearly best quarterback in this past draft, a guy that I think could be special for a long time in C.J. Stroud. That's the hell of a win by the Houston Texans. Meanwhile, the Buccaneers are now 3-5. and five. They have lost four straight, five of their last six they have now lost. And uh, you know what? Wasn't the offense's fault this time, so that's that's good. The, the defense just kind of let them down. But when you're playing against the juggernaut like C.J. Stroud, that'll happen. Uh, yeah, Bucks still, I mean, maybe not in pole position for that number one overall pick. St could very well still be a top five pick when it's all said and done. This is just not a very good team. God bless Mike Evans. He is still... I mean, just ageless, four receptions for 87 yards in this one, just trapped on a terrible team. He got his his Super Bowl, though, so I don't feel uh, too, too bad. Maybe they'll free him at some point and just kind of trade him away for uh, for draft picks, maybe send him to a contender. Like, I don't know, maybe maybe the Chiefs or someone, someone that could use a, uh, a really high-quality weapon, you know, someone in a different conference. Just something to think about there uh, going forward. But, uh, yeah, sad times in, in Bucks land over in Tampa. Happy times in Houston, man. You have got your uh, your situation all set up for the future, man. It's uh, it's looking fun. Looking like a fun time to be a uh, Houston Texans fan. That has not always been the case. Hey, your other first-round pick, your, the third overall pick in this draft, Will Anderson got a sack in this one as well. Good stuff going on in Houston right now. Good stuff, which is not something you have said over the past three years or so with the uh, the tank fest that they were on uh, under the uh, the initial years of the Nick Casario regime. Uh, let's move on from there. Colts become the latest team to beat the Panthers, 27-13. to Bryce Young had three interceptions, two pick sixes, both to Kenny Moore in this game. Um, quality, quality defensive performance from the Colts, but seems like Teams always have quality defensive core, uh, defensive um, performances when they go up against the Panthers. Panthers are just abysmal. They are such a bad football team. Um, Raiders get that uh, interim head coach bump. They beat the holy hell out of the Giants, thirty to six. 
looked a whole lot like they had a defensive uh, a defensive guy uh, step into the uh, step into the the head coaching role. Antonio Pierce, a big time defensive guy. They just ran the hell out of the rock. Josh Jacobs had 98 yards. Two touchdowns. Aiden O'Connell was efficient. Didn't throw a touchdown in this game, but uh, didn't shoot them in the foot either. That's all they really needed to do because the Giants are not good. And uh, they're, they're not going to get any better now because Daniel Jones is going to be out for the season with an ACL. So it's going to be uh, the, the Italian stallion uh, Tommy DeVito starting next week with Matt Barkley likely coming in as relief. And um, I'll just put this out here now. Giants are 2-7. and seven probably especially with Daniel Jones going out for the rest of the season, in line to lose a lot more games. Seems like they could really have the bottom fall for the rest of the season. If the Giants were to hypothetically get, I don't know, the the number one overall pick, Caleb Williams sitting there. I know you just signed Daniel Jones to a big-time deal. You're going to owe him a whole lot of money next season, but... Think the Giants would take Caleb Williams if they were in that spot and uh, not look back, eat the cap hit, and just go forward with one of the best quarterbacks in the draft or the best quarterback in the draft. Hell, even if they get the don't get the number one overall pick, conservatively, say they get the the fourth pick, the third pick, even. Who's to say they just don't go ahead and take a, a Drake May or a Michael Penix, whoever happens to be up there in the upper echelons of the draft this year? I I feel like. They're going to be in line for, at the very worst, a top 10 pick, it feels like. The Giants are terrible this year. They are a really, really bad football team. If they're in line for a quarterback, I would not be shocked at all if they just end up pulling the trigger and taking one. Contract be damned on Daniel Jones. Um, they are in a tough financial spot with that, with all the money they gave him. But Daniel Jones has played so bad this year, and coming off an ACL injury, I have a sneaking suspicion that the Giants are going to go in a different direction quarterback-wise in this draft if and when they get a high draft pick this year. Just a thought. They could also go the other other direction, double down on what they've got and get like a Brock Bowers in there or something. Wouldn't, you know, wouldn't fault them at all for that as well. Uh, maybe they go Joe Alt, the, uh, the tackle out of Notre Dame even. Wouldn't fault them there. But just keep in mind, they've not they've had some subpar QB play this year. Daniel Jones is, was not the same player he was last season. Um, just keep that in mind. Maybe if they're in that position, they could very easily take a quarterback there. Raiders, how long does the interim head coach bump last? Because they're still not a very good football team. Um, I think with the way that Antonio Pierce, you know, controls the game, so to speak. I think they could reel off some wins here, maybe sneak into the uh, the AFC playoff picture. Um, but how long before Aiden O'Connell starts looking like a rookie quarterback? Um, how long before that defense starts getting exposed again? You're not going to play the New York Giants every week. It's not going to be, excuse me, that sort of cakewalk defensively every week. How good are the Raiders now that Antonio Pierce is the head coach? I can't imagine they're leaps and bounds better than they were under Josh McDaniels. I think they will end up being better under Antonio Pierce. I think it's definitely a better cultural vibe there. Um, hell, as a coach overall, you can't get a whole lot worse than what Josh McDaniels is a, as a head coach. So, I mean, Antonio Pierce, probably an upgrade there as well. I just don't know how good of a football team this is still. They got good weapons. Offensive line is a disaster. Defense outside of Max Crosby is an abject disaster as well. Um, I just... 
Will they be better? Yes. Will they be so much better that they're going to make some trouble in the playoffs for somebody? Probably not, and that's that's where I'm at right now. Good feel-good story there for the Raiders, though, in a, in a good spot for them against the New York Giants to, uh, to get right. Um, I don't even know who they have this week, quite frankly. Who's up next? Um, I got the Jets this week. That's going to be a rock fight. I don't know what the over-under is in that. Just I think it's actually uh, either 36 or 37. I think it's 36 in most places. I still like the under in that situation, man. That is going to be a rock fight of all rock fights. And you guessed it. That's Sunday Night Football, baby. That's a prime time game right there between the Jets and the Raiders. Soaking in, folks. This, that's... That's a pretty good indication, uh, a pretty good representative of what the uh, what the prime time games are going to look like next week, man. It is it's putrid, it's disgusting, and I'm not looking forward to it even one bit. Um, that being said, we'll keep it moving here. Um, Eagles hosted the Cowboys in the uh, the late uh, another four o'clock matchup. There, uh, game of the day, obviously. Uh, everyone was waiting to see how the Eagles matched up against the Cowboys. Probably the biggest test for the Eagles so far this year. Certainly the biggest test for the Cowboys. And Cowboys almost got them, man. They were right down there at the end. And then all of a sudden, they just start getting delay of games. They get penalties. Dak runs out short of the goal line. Uh, I think that was on fourth down, too. Ultimately, Cowboys were just on the doorstep, knocking at the door. Dak had a fantastic performance, too. So did C.D. Lamb. But Dak, I mean... 374, three touchdowns, no interceptions, as good as Dak has played in the NFL thus far. CeeDee Lamb with 11 receptions, 191 yards, and they still come up just short. 28-23, the final score there. Um, the Eagles just get the job done, and uh, you know it. that's kind of... Uh, uh, pretty much a synopsis of what the, uh, the Cowboys have been this year. Just a confusing sort of team. Even when they play their best ball that you can ask them to play, just not quite good enough to get the job done. Uh, under four yards per carry as a team. Tony Pollard had an okay day, 12 carries for 51 yards, but 73 yards as a team, just simply not going to cut it when you, when you need them to, uh, to score some points or you know run the ball even a little bit better. Just not good enough. Um, on the Eagles side, though, Jalen Hurts banged up but played out of his mind. I mean, 17 for 23 passing, 9 yards per attempt, uh, 207 yards on the day, 2 touchdowns through the air, 1 on the ground, no interceptions, um, no turnovers on the day as well. As solid as you can expect Jalen Hurts to play. He's a little bit banged up, but going into that bye week, give him a, give him a week of rest, give him a week to get a little bit more healthy. Should be right as rain whenever he gets back from that bye week. And the Eagles got the best record in all the land right now at eight and one. They're going into a, a well-timed bye week too because they are uh, they're a hurting unit right now. James Bradbury went out in this one as well. Darius Slay got a little bit banged up. Uh, Dallas Goddard fractured his wrist. He won't be back after the bye week. He'll probably be back um, around the playoff push time. So that's not good at all. Um, but with what you got, A.J. Brown, by the way, broke his streak of 130-yard games. I think it was six in a row. Still got seven receptions, 166 yards on the day in this one. So, I mean, Eagles are just, I mean, I don't know if they're necessarily, I mean, hell no, they're, they're probably just as good as they were last year, quite frankly. They did, they did drop that one game earlier in the year against uh, the Jets, too, of all teams. Wild. That's, that should tell you how good the Jets' defense is right there, which we'll get to them in just a second, too. They made everyone sad on Monday night, but one thing at a time. 
Eagles are playing some good ball right now, man. Really, really good ball. And the Cowboys, many mainstream ESPN shows will talk about the Cowboys to no end. All you need to know is the Cowboys is the Cowboys, man. They're, they're a solid team. They're flashy. They'll get you some wins in the regular season. They'll get to the postseason most times, uh, but then they'll get there and then you'll just right on the floor in the, uh, in the postseason, man. It's just, the, the Cowboys is the Cowboys, man. I won't believe in them until they do it in the postseason. That's just kind of fair or not. Just where I'm at with them. I'm not going to take them seriously until they do something uh, to force me to take them seriously, quite frankly. And uh, we'll move on from there. We'll move on from there. Uh, Sunday night game, Bills versus Bengals. The uh, the emotional return of DeMar Hamlin uh, to Cincinnati. Uh, the place where, you know, you all know what happened last season. I don't need to tell you what happened there. That's just a uncomfortable one. I think they probably made a little bit too much of that, especially for a guy that was uh, a healthy scratch, has been a healthy scratch for most games uh, this year. So was there, was on the sidelines. Um, I think we just, you know, for everyone's sake, we probably just move on from that story. It's, you know... It, it's it's glad that he survived. It's it's good that he's back playing football. Probably don't need to dwell on that one so much, especially since he's not you know the, the greatest player in the world. And I don't want to. I'm not trying to besmirch the man. It's obviously you know inspirational that he's back and playing, but I don't know. We don't we don't need to wring so much uh, juice out of this story as we are doing at the moment. Um, final score: the Bengals beat the Bills though, 24 to 18. Man, if only I would have just pulled the trigger on that one instead of the uh, the Devontae Adams receiving prop. We would have been winning winning record last week. Would have been five and three last week on the bets, but unfortunately we were four and four. Uh, the most average gambler in America is back, baby. We're here. We're here. Another four and four week. We are still two games over five hundred with like fifty picks in the books, fifty two picks in the books to be exact. So, yeah, we're doing good. We're we're doing good, people. Um, is it even 52? Maybe it's maybe it's 54. Either way, we're we're just just towing that Mendoza line uh, with reckless abandon. Uh, the Bengals get the win though, 24 to 18. They cover that spread of two and a half. Uh, was one and a half at one point last week. Got bet up to two and a half. Didn't matter. You covered either way. Um, but yeah, this is um, this is who the Bills are, man. This is just kind of their defense isn't quite good enough to stop elite teams. Uh, the offense is completely just, I mean, dependent to a fault on Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. If, if, I mean, especially in the running game, if Josh Allen's not making a play in the running game, no one is making a play in the running game. Um, in the passing game, it's basically Stephon Diggs. Uh, Khalil Shakir has been nice here, but it's who else are you getting those, those second snaps from? I mean, uh, Davis, uh, Corey Davis was not, not Corey Davis. Jesus. Who is the Davis that I'm thinking of? I'm I'm stupid. I'm just I'm just brain dead right now. Brain is mush. Um, Gabe Davis. My goodness. No show in this one though. Uh, only two targets in the game. Zero catches. Was not there at all. Dalton Kincaid's starting to come on though. So that's that's good. Um, that's why you drafted him in the first round. He's starting to make some plays there at that tight end position. He had ten catches for eighty-one yards in this one. But that's the, the real problem is the running game. They obviously don't trust James Cook. Uh, they bring in. Uh, Leonard Fournette over the course of the last week to kind of you know bolster up the backfield a little bit, but they don't they don't have a, a single running back that they they kind of trust uh, with uh, the bulk of the carries back there. It's a lot of it's fallen to Josh Allen, and ultimately Josh Allen can't do everything. And going up against a quality defense like the Cincinnati Bengals, 
the, the Bills offense suffered for it, quite frankly. And it's it's the reason why, uh, really, the, the final score was 24-18. to It really wasn't that close. The Bills just scored a late touchdown and a two-point conversion to make it closer and kind of make a game of it at the end. It was, for most of this game, the Bengals were in control from start to finish, pretty much. So... Just an impressive performance there uh, for the Bills, uh, not the Bills, the, the Bengals defense. Um, Lou Anarumo has got the boys playing over there. One of the best defensive coordinators in all the land. Uh, you got to wonder if he'll ever get a head coaching opportunity. Hopefully he does, but until then, he will be coordinating the Cincinnati Bengals and just making a house out of a uh, box of nails every single week out there. Uh, just really, really good performance over there. T. Higgins really came on strong in this one. Had his best game of the season for eight receptions, 110 yards. And Joe Burrow is continuing to look as healthy as ever after coming off of that, that calf strain to start the season. Another 300-yard performance, 31 of 44, 348, 7.9 yards per attempt. Two touchdowns, no interceptions in this one. Uh, Joe Burrow is back to his old self. Didn't get hardly a run game at all to speak of, but... The passing game did so well, it simply did not matter. The Bengals are firing on all cylinders. And that again, that AFC North man, I think literally every team is five and three or better right now. Like let me let me get a look here at the uh, the division standings. Yeah, I mean Baltimore <laughs> literally every team is two games over five hundred or better in the AFC North right now. Baltimore's in the lead, and then you got three three way tie at five and three between the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, and the Cincinnati Bengals, who are technically last place in the division right now at five and three. Just a, I mean, you may get every single team in the AFC North in the playoffs this year. It's insane how good that division is. I assume one of, at least one of those teams is going to fall off down the stretch, and my money is on either the Cleveland Browns or the Pittsburgh Steelers, but the Cincinnati Bengals are rounding into form at a time that you would expect them to do so. And uh, what do they got coming up schedule-wise? I feel like they might have a little bit of a, a softer run here. I mean, you got the Texans who are playing very, very well. Uh, then they're at the Ravens, Steelers, at Jaguars, Colts, Vikings, suck at Bengals. We're going to beat you there. Uh, probably not. Uh, at the Steelers again, um, at Chiefs, then Browns to end off the season. So not a, I mean, a pretty, pretty staunch uh, down the stretch uh, where they're going to be asked to do some things, but They've been reeling off some wins now. That's four straight. Uh, they've won five of their last six, pretty much the inverse of what the Bucks have done in that same time frame. Uh, watch out, man. This this Bengals team, Joe Burrow's playing like the Joe Burrow we've come to know now that he's a little bit more healed from that calf injury. And uh, this team... This team is starting to look dangerous, man. They could uh, they could challenge the Baltimore Ravens for that division title. I don't think they end up doing that because I think the Baltimore Ravens are just the better team overall. But man, they could they could make some waves on the stretch here, man. Make no mistake about it. And uh, with that, we'll just quickly hit on this Monday night game. It was sad. It was it was so so sad to watch. Um, Zach Wilson stinks. He's just not good. Again, all the credit in the world needs to be given uh, to Nathaniel Hackett for scheming around the deficiencies of Zach Wilson. The fact that Zach Wilson did not have an interception in this one is an abject miracle. Um, and when you got Zach Wilson as a quarterback, obviously running the ball is going to be a lot tougher. Um, I mean, they ran 79 plays. Well, I guess it was 69 plays. Nice. Uh, on offense did the New York Jets. Uh, they ended up running, what's that? 
quick math, uh, 69 minus 51, that's 18. That's mass right there, 40B. Uh, the Jets ran 18 more offensive plays and scored 21 less points. The Chargers get the win here 27-6 to on the road. Uh, the, the Jets' defense, by God, do they deserve better. They they held the, the Los Angeles Chargers to under 200 yards of offense, 198 yards of offense overall, and they they could not muster anything. I mean, they get five sacks on, on Justin Herbert in this game. The only reason why the Jets hung in this game was because of their defense, and they still get blown out by 21. Obviously helped in, uh, in large part by that... Um, that punt return by Darius Davis uh, to start off the game. Uh, he got a punt return for a touchdown in this one, and it was just downhill from there for the for the Jets' offense. This was just another abysmal performance. Um, the, the sooner you can get Aaron Rodgers back, the better. Um, still probably going to be a while, but he in pregame you saw him dropping back, throwing uh, throwing fifty eight yard balls in pregame. So he is progressing very well. Looks more and more like at the end of this season, if they're in a playoff position, they'll put Aaron Rodgers back in there to, to finish out, maybe make a playoff run. Keep that in mind. Uh, they're four and four right now. Uh, we'll have to see. Let's see what their uh, their schedule holds coming up here. Uh, got Raiders, Bills, Dolphins, Falcons, Texans, Dolphins again, uh, Commanders, Browns, Patriots. So a lot of winnable games there. I mean, I think like outside of, I mean, the divisional games pretty much, everything outside of the division is, is games that you can win. I think games that you can conceivably come out there, make it a rock fight and still be good enough to, uh, to be in a playoff position there. So, I mean, they've still got everything they want in front of them. Right now, they got a good enough schedule to where they can kind of skate by in a lot of these situations and just find out somehow, some way, find a way uh, to get themselves in playoff position. They got a good enough defense to do it, even though the offense is just horrific. Um, this was just a sad, sad game, though, man. I mean, credit to the Chargers for getting a win. Still don't trust you as far as I can take a piss, but. You know what? You ran into a terrible quarterback and a terrible offense, and it doesn't matter that your offense didn't do anything all day. Uh, the defense was, you know, had an easy assignment this week, as easy as you can get in the National Football League, unless you're playing the other New York team, uh, the Giants. Which, by the way, the Giants and Jets combined for 12 offensive points this week, so good on them. Good on them for putting up big-time numbers. No touchdowns between those two, so that's about as depressing as it gets. About as depressing as it gets. We'll, uh, Move on from there. That is all for the week nine. That wraps it up there for you. Uh, let's look ahead at uh, at week ten. I didn't have the lines pulled up here, so uno memento por favor. Got to pull that up real quick. Uh, we'll be back here in just a second. Ah! All right, got it pulled up here now. So let's go through all the games and then get you out of here with my uh, my bets, uh, my picks segment here. I got five more to add to the slate. Probably should get that pulled up on my phone as well. That won't take, that won't take quite as long. Uh, actually, already up. I already knew what I was doing here. So yeah, keep it moving. Um, so already on Iowa minus two versus Rutgers at home. Uh, Arizona minus nine and a half at Colorado. You're gonna have to go to ten and a half now if you are still wanting to bet on Arizona in that one. And the Lions at minus one and a half at the Chargers. Those are the ones we are already on. So let's go down the slate, see if we can add a few more here. I mean, I already know we're going to add a couple, but, you know, just, you know, for the for the sake of uh, going through the whole slate here, just so you're an informed better. Uh, the Panthers are at the Bears on, on Thursday night, which, gross, 
just a disgusting game. I'm going to watch it because I'm a sicko, but disgusting game. Uh, Bears are favored by three and a half, which should tell you just how bad the Panthers are. Um, but uh, yeah, it's three and a half across the board. Doesn't really matter the sports books. So yeah, go ahead and do whatever you want there. I don't. I mean. The Panthers are so bad, I would lean the Bears, but the Bears are just as bad in their own right. So I got got no idea. Take take your own pick there. Over-under is 38.5, and, and I would probably lean the under. This is just a bad, bad offensive matchup. It's going to be sad. It's just going to be just just abject poverty on the football field on Thursday night. And I, I still maintain Amazon Prime, just Prime Video, Whoever employs Al Michael at this point, Jeff Bezos is trying to slowly kill Al Michaels. That's that's just trying to kill him with bad football and a steady diet of no vegetables. That's that's kind of what we're, where we're at right now. Don't need to spend any more time on that sad-ass game. Uh, another sad game. Colts at, the, well, not at the Patriots. They're in Germany again. So uh, quite a tone shift from last week getting the Dolphins uh, Chiefs to now getting the Colts Patriots. We're getting right back into Europe game form here uh, with the NFL, trying to kind of, you know, pad up their uh, their sellout stats uh, with two teams that might not get sellouts this week. But Colts are favored minus one and a half, and that's pretty much uh, same thing across the board. Um, I would probably lean the Colts in this one, but I'm I'm still afraid of Bill Belichick. That's you know just goes to show you how what the what the value the the fear factor of having Bill Belichick in the building is there with the Patriots. Don't fire the man. Just don't fire the man. Find a solution outside of it. But I digress on that front. Uh, over under is 43 and a half in most places. But uh, at DraftKings they got a 43 for you. Also at Caesars they got a 43 as well. Caesars and Rivers as well as DraftKings have a 43 for you if you're trying to bet the over. I would lean the over, but also the Patriots stink on offense. So, I mean, they're facing a bad Colts defense, and the Colts are an over machine. So, yeah, I'd still probably lean the over in that one. Not going to place any money on that, but I'd, I'd lean the over in that. Um, Niners at the Jaguars. Niners coming off a bye week, uh, and they're minus three across the board. Really solid matchup here in the 1 o'clock time slot here. I mean, that this should tell a lot about the Jaguars. Uh, facing a really tough test against the 49ers, and 49ers coming off a bye, got a tough test of their own, five and three. And with how good that roster is, they should not be five and three. Um, not a get-right spot for me. They're going to have to work for this one, but uh, I probably lean the Niners. Just you know, the dynamics of coming off a bye week, um, having that matchup uh, this week. I don't know if the Jags were on by last week or not. I guess I didn't talk about them, so I guess the Jags were on by uh, as well last week. So. Dual buys, 49ers traveling across the country. I would lean the 49ers, but I'm not gonna, uh, I'm 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 not gonna um, put any money on that. What's Shefty saying? Uh, was named starting quarterback. Oh well, there you go. There's some news for you. Uh, Titans named uh, Will Levis the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. So yeah, they're trying to get a look at the rookie, letting him uh, let him develop a little bit. That's kind of what I thought they should do. So yeah, they're going forward with Will Levis. Ryan Tannehill is going to be the backup. So there you go. Uh, there you go. Um, yeah, over-under is 45 for the 49ers. Jaguars, you get 45 at the MGM, Caesars, uh, Dra basically everywhere except for FanDuel is going to give you a 45 right now. FanDuel is at 45.5 if you're leaning the under, which honestly I would lean the under. I think it's got the makings of a rock fight a little bit. Unless the 49ers come out here and 
just blow the Jags out of the water. I think, especially with the addition of Chase Young, I think that Niners defense is going to be firing on all cylinders, and I think this ends up being a low-scoring contest. I would I would lean towards that under. Not going to put any uh, money on that though. Uh, Titans are plus one and a half, or I get, you can get a you can get a real range of picks uh, that a range of uh, numbers in this one. It's all either one or one and a half, something around those. So you know. Go wherever you want. Uh, FanDuel's got a plus one and a half for the Titans if you're looking at them. Um, uh, you can get a plus one in, in some places for the Buccaneers as well. A little, little bit of a, a range of numbers here. No one's got a great feel on this one. I think Will Levis going up against the Buccaneers defense could end up being a problem for the, uh, for the Titans. So we'll see. I got no real lean in that one. I guess I would probably lean the Titans. I like the coaching a little bit better for the Titans, or a lot better actually for the Titans. I like think, think Brable's a very good head coach. So got that going for him. Um, outside of that, I mean, over-under is 38 and a half, and I would definitely lean the under. I think this is a this this game is underwritten all over. That line is just entirely too low for me to move on. So uh, we'll move on from there. Browns at the Ravens. Um... Ravens are favored by six. That's a big line. I, and I don't really trust the Browns on the road in this one, but that's that's a big line. I'm probably staying away from that one. Um, I think the Browns end up keeping this close. Ultimately, Ravens win this game, though. So I guess I would lean the Ravens, but I'm not betting them at, at minus six, quite frankly. They're on a roll right now, and you can get minus six basically everywhere, but uh, I'm not I'm not taking that cheese. not doing it. Um, over, under... 38 and a half in a lot of places, but you can get 38 at MGM, uh, Points Bed, Caesars. There's there's a, a good several places you can get 38 at. I mean, Bed Rivers there as well. So yeah, you know, find whichever one works for you. DraftKings has got a 38 and a half. So does FanDuel, I believe, as well. If you're looking at the under, I would probably lean the under. Two really, I mean, two top 10 defensive units uh, coming in. Uh, even with how vaunted the Ravens have been, I think I would lean the under there at 38 and a half. But again, just too low of a number for me to move on. Um, Texans at the Bengals, another another line that's entirely too high for me. And I get why the why Vegas put it there, but it's uh, Bengals favored by either six and a half or seven, depends on the sports book you go to. Kind of uh, evenly distributed with uh, with sevens and six and a half. So you know, just do your own research there. Um, I got no real feel on this. I guess I would lean the Texans at the plus uh, plus seven, but I don't. I wouldn't feel good about. It. Bengals are just playing too good of football for me to uh, stand on the other side of that freight train. So I'm not going to do it. Um, over under is four anywhere from 48 to uh, 47 and a half. Uh, I guess it's 47 and a half in most places, and uh, yeah, it's either 47 and a half or 47 actually, pretty much. So I mean, um. Yeah, I guess I would lean the. Uh, excuse me. I guess I would lean the over. Two really good off or two offenses that are playing really really well right now. I'm not going to move on it though, just because I think Lou Anaruma has the uh, potential to uh, really pissing some Cheerios here on the Texans side of the ball. I think he ends up dialing up some pressure. And uh, C.J. Stroud is a little bit of a down week after that explosive week he had uh, the previous time around. So. Yeah, I guess I would lean the the Bengals on both accounts there. I think I'm definitely I, well. Uh, Texans spread lean under on the uh, on the over under. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, Saints versus Vikings get this one at two and a half pretty much across the board. 
Um, two and a half in favor of the Saints, by the way, on the road at the Vikings. So, you know, I'm I'm not betting on them, but I'm riding with the boys. I think the Vikings should win this one or, or have every opportunity to win this one. Really tough defense to go up against. I think this has a, all the makings of a rock fight, quite frankly. Uh, but for me, I love the Vikings in this spot. I think Josh Dodds with another week in the offensive system. Kind of, you know, help them along the way. I think we got got every opportunity to go out there and win. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Should be a dandy of a game, though. I think it'll be close no matter what. So, uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, Over-under, it's uh, 41 in most places. You can get a 40 and a half at Caesars if you're trying to bet the uh, the over. I would lean the under in this one, though. I think it's going to end up being a low-scoring ball game. I don't think the Saints offense is that good, and I think the Vikings offense with the quarterback situation going on there, going against this vaunted Saints defense is going to struggle at times. So, yeah, I think I think this is going to end up being a low-scoring ball game. Uh, definitely lean the under there at 41. Uh, Packers at the Steelers, um, minus three in most places in favor of the Steelers, and uh, there we go. That is one of our picks that we are adding uh, to the to the slate. I'm taking the Steelers at minus three. I think the Packers on the road. Uh, Jordan Love is going to struggle against that Steelers defense in all likelihood. I don't think he's going to have a very good game at all. And the Steelers thrive on low-scoring contests. Uh, Packers' run game hasn't been that good either. I think the Steelers' defense is going to dominate this game. I think they end up winning. I think they end up covering at minus three. So I've got that in the slate uh, as one of my bets this week. Uh, Over-under is 39 in most places. You know, 38.5 at FanDuel if you're trying to bet the over. Um, I I definitely lean the under in this one. I think the I think the Packers are going to get stymied big time, and I think the Steelers' offense just stinks. So that that's a, that's a recipe for an under right there. Not betting it though because the line is just entirely too low. Up next, we've got the Falcons at the Cardinals, and this is my other bet of the week. I got it um I got it early, so it's a it's a pick on it was a pick on uh, on Caesars. Uh, the, the line has now moved in the direction of the Falcons. They're now minus one and a half, and I still like them there. It's basically still a pick them. So, yeah, I got the, the Falcons at a pick uh, at the Cardinals. Looks like Kyler Murray's going to be back for this one, but I'm still going with the Falcons. I think the Falcons are just a better football team overall. They lost last week, but I think this week they right the ship. They get the win at the Cardinals. I just think they, I mean, might not look pretty at times, but I think they end up getting the win. I think Taylor Heineke bounces back in a in a big time way this week. Bijan Robinson has a good game. I think the Falcons end up winning this one. So Falcons pick that is my bet on that one. You can still get them at minus one and a half though, and I like that as well. So you got that. And um, already went over the Lions Chargers. That line has moved. Vegas, you know, came around to their senses. It's now tr- Lions minus three, which is a little bit more in line, but I still think too too slim of a margin. Um, I would I would still probably bet the Lions at minus three. We already got them at minus one and a half though, so no worries there. And it's minus three pretty much across the board, so nothing to nothing to write home about there. Over under 48, uh, 48 and a half actually. And that's 48 and a half pretty much across um, all all betting services there. Um, still like that number. I think over 48 and a half is not a not a bad line at all. I just don't. I don't trust the Chargers to score consistently, especially against this Lions defense that has played well. With the exception of that Ravens game, the Lions defense has played well all season. Still leaning the over in that game, though. Definitely taking the Lions, though. We already bet them. Um, Giants are at the Cowboys, minus 16.5 to the Cowboys. And I'd still probably lean the Cowboys. The Giants are just so, so incredibly bad. And this is a giant line for a professional football game, but 
the Giants are just that bad. I would I would lean the Cowboys in this one, but I'll die before I bet money on the Dallas Cowboys, quite frankly. So I didn't didn't do any of that. Uh, over under is 38 and a half, and I I would be shocked if the Giants scored in double digits. So the only way they're hitting that over is if the if the Cowboys score 30. Quite frankly. Um, would still probably lean the over, though, because I think the Cowboys are going to dominate this game. I'm just not putting my money behind that assumption. But 38.5 across the board, pretty much. Do what you will with that information on the over-under. And let's get into the other 4 o'clock matchup here. we got the Commies at the Seahawks. Seahawks favored um, minus 6 in most places. You get a 6.5 at Rivers and Points Bet if you're trying to bet on the Commanders. Um... I, I would lean the Seahawks in this one. I think they bounce back this week, especially uh, solid pass. I mean, you know, interior's got some work to do, but a, a okay pass rush against the uh, the Commanders. Everyone gets right, right pass rush-wise against the Commanders' offensive line. They're just bad on the offensive line, and Sam Howell holds the ball entirely too long. So I think it's going to be a long day for that Commanders' offense, and I think the Seahawks end up bouncing back this week, uh, improving that record a little bit more. I, I lean uh, the minus six on the Seattle Seahawks this week. Um, over-unders 45 and a half. Pretty much cross all, all books, too. I lean I lean the over on that. I think both teams are going to end up scoring a, a decent amount of points in this game. So, yeah, I'd, I'd lean the over at 45 and a half. Not putting money on that, but I'd lean the over. Um, and then you're, I mean, just a barn burner of a Sunday night game. you got the Jets at the Raiders. Um, it's either, I mean... The, Caesars has got this as a pick 'em right now, so that's probably your pace, your place to go. Uh, well, actually, some places even have the um, yeah, it's it's basically either a pick 'em or um, minus points in favor of the Jets. So you know, Caesars is probably your place to go if you're if you're looking to bet the Jets. Quite frankly, uh, at a, at a pick 'em there, uh, you can get as much as um, yeah, plus one, plus one in some places. Uh, most places it's it's plus one for the uh, the the Raiders if you're looking to bet them. So uh, take that information for what it is. Ah, I guess I would lean the Raiders in this one. I'd, I really the play here is probably the under. It's 36 and a half in in some places uh, still. 36 in in most places though. I just feel like this this has like. This has like 10-7 written all over. This just feels like it's going to be an absolute physical rock fight in this game. I think the Jets' defense is going to feast against Aiden O'Connell in this game. Uh, but I think the Jets' offense stinks. So it's going to be uh, a lot like that Monday night game, I would imagine. This is going to be a low-scoring contest. Let's see what the Jets do in this one, man. I think they, they still got a good opportunity to win, but... Ain't going to be pretty, I'll tell you that right now. And our final game on the slates, the Broncos go on Monday night to the Bills. Uh, they are Bills are currently favored minus 7.5. That half a point hook, man, don't feel good about it. So I'm not betting on this game. And the Bills have just been inconsistent as all hell, so I'm staying away from them. I would still lean the Bills because the Broncos are bad. They have been playing better, but the Broncos are bad. They did beat the Chiefs, but Broncos not a very good football team. So I guess I would lean the Bills. But the Broncos give me enough pause to where I can't just assume that the Bills are going to blow them out. So I'm staying away from that one. Uh, Over-under is 47 pretty much across the board. I don't I don't know. I, I, I got no real great feel on that one. I guess I would lean the over, but not a confident lean there. So uh, there, there you go. There is your slate of, uh, of bets. Uh, I got a few more college bets for you to add. Um, 
Kansas, and I'm going against my own policy here of really staying away from teams that have big wins in, in back-to-back week. Well, I guess you could consider the, the win against Iowa State uh, a big win, but they're, you know, I'm, I'm still betting on them either way is what I'm saying. Uh, minus three and a half, I got them out. I think I might have moved up to minus four and a half now, which I feel less strongly about, but minus three and a half, I feel good about that one against Texas Tech at home. Uh, after a, a tough road stint against the Iowa State Hawkeyes, not the Hawkeyes. Jeez, sorry about that. Uh, Iowa State Cyclones last week. I like them against Texas Tech minus three and a half this week. Um, USC Oregon. I did end up pulling the trigger on that over 73 and a half. I don't think USC is going to keep this that close, but I think they're good enough to put up, you know, mid 20s. And I think ultimately against that USC defense, Oregon might score 50. So I'm taking the over on that one right now. And uh, OK State UCF, um, I think OK State's defense is in for um, a little bit of a letdown week here. I think OK State's offense is still going to get things going here. So I like over 64 uh, on that game as well. So there you have it. I got eight bets for you. Iowa minus two. Arizona minus nine and a half. Lions minus one and a half uh, at the Chargers. Falcons pick. Kansas minus three and a half. USC Oregon over 73 and a half. Steelers minus three. OK State UCF over 64. That's the slate for this week. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in to, into Unqualified Analysis. My brain is mush right now. Uh, yeah, just thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. To it. If you like the show, go ahead, subscribe on all the, all the platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, uh, Amazon, YouTube. Go ahead, subscribe on them all, and then you know share them with a friend. Help me grow this thing a little bit. Um, if you didn't enjoy it, that's okay too. Just keep it on moving, my guy. Maybe you know hit the hit the play a couple more times to make sure you don't like it. But I understand, you know, not everyone's cup of tea. Whatever flows your goat there, bye. But but I'm so dead inside right now. I can't I can't even think. But yep. If you uh, want to contact the show, you can shoot me a DM on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter too at Caleb Burzak. Link will be in the description for that. But yeah, shoot me a DM on Twitter. Or if you want to go the old-fashioned route, uh, just emailing me unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. That'll be in the description as well. Thank you so much for tuning into Unqualified Analysis. As always, got no clue what I am talking about. But one thing I learned this past week, a little fun fact about Canada for you, if you walked 12 miles a day, it would take you 33 years to walk all of the coastline of Canada. Wild, wild stat. And I got more more stats on Canada to come, so uh, stay tuned for that. But there's your fun fact of the day there. One thing I learned this week uh, with that, I'm going to go stare at a wall for a while and just uh, rethink my life choices, just be tired, uh, enjoy these next two off days. Um, yeah, y'all enjoy the weekend, enjoy the football weekend. I'll try and do the same. See y'all on Tuesday for all the recaps, though, folks. Deuces. <laughs>